Hi, friends. It's Vin Scully. It's time for Dr. Clapper. In sports, there's winning and losing and getting injured. That's why there's Dr. Clapper. Dr. Clapper is the former head of orthopedic surgery at Cedar sinai The Weekend Warrior Show with Dr. Clapper, presented by Cedar sinai Hey, Dr. Clapper. How are you? Saturday mornings from 7 to 9. Silence is golden when you can't think of a good answer. <laughs> yes, Doc, I love your show. Now, here he is, Dr. Robert Clapper. Welcome back, Weekend Warriors. Or I should say, aloha. Just spent a whole week in Hawaii, on the island of Kauai. I got to see a waterfall in the middle of the forest on Kauai that didn't just have one waterfall bursting out of the jungle, but side by side are two. If you go on Twitter, you can follow me on Twitter, at Dr. Robert Clapper. I put a picture of it. It's called Wailua Falls. It's breathtaking. Just to see, they're like twins, these two waterfalls dropping 100 feet right next to each other. Oh, God, it's just the movement of the water, the sound that it makes, and the gorgeous scenery between the blue sky and the blue ocean. It's paradise. Take a trip to Hawaii. Treat yourself. You owe it to yourself. So I've recharged my batteries this week. I'm a little tired because I got in late last night. And whoever works with Hawaiian Airlines, they could not figure out how to get the door lined up with the tram, or whatever you call it, to be able to walk off the plane. Ridiculous. Oh, God. I'm sitting on the plane watching them try to line this thing up. They actually are without precision. Apropos to today's show. Today's show is about my guest and the topic. Frank Sachaki is going to be calling in. He's an expert in making needles that I use in surgery to attach two separate things. Two tendons that ruptured, your rotator cuff pulled off the bone, your Achilles tendon, your ACL, even elective surgery. I've got to use a needle and thread to put you back together again. And he's an expert in whether the needle is curved, straight, fat, skinny. And think about it. If you're doing heart surgery and you're repairing those blood vessels in your heart, that needle is making a hole in that pipe. And at the same time, it needs to be sealed so it doesn't leak. Otherwise, you'll have a heart attack and die again. As if you died the first time. Or if you have a cancer, they take the cancer out of your colon, resect it. And now you have to have those two pipes of your colon. The cancer's gone reattached. We call it anastomosis. You got to use needle and thread, to sew those two pipes together, but they also cannot leak. Precision and a hole. So it made me think all week, where do I see that challenge that Frank Sachaki deals with as a needle designer in the world of art, in the world of sports, the other worlds that I love? 
And for me, that challenge of that hole that you make with a needle and yet it not leaking was by an artist who went into the shoe business. His name was Nathan Schwartz, a Russian Jewish immigrant born in 1902 who invented Timberland boots. He invented Timberland boots as a shoemaker. He struggled as an immigrant, got a lousy job, but saved every single nickel. And when he was 31 years old, he amassed $2,000 in his savings account, and he bought half of a shoe company, the Abington Shoe Company. Three years later, he bought the other half. He bought his partner out. Making 100 shoes a week, he was doing okay, but he had big dreams. He brought art to the world of shoemaking, and he created the greatest revolution in the shoe business because Nathan Swartz invented the Timberland boot that was waterproof. He was unbelievable. Due to the family's deplorable financial situation, Nathan was forced to become an apprentice at one of the small New York shoe stores at the age of 16. The young man did his job well, but he wasn't very happy about the prospect of being a hired worker for the rest of his life. There was barely enough money to rent a small apartment on the outskirts of New York and, on top of that, things were even worse for the elderly parents because given their inability to speak English, as well as their advanced age, it was more difficult for them to find decent jobs. Now he's a 33-year-old man. He's got his own little shoe place, but he's still dreaming. In fact, it wasn't until Nathan Schwartz turned 63 years old that he made a real technological breakthrough in the shoe business. Even despite the fact that he was far past his prime years, the owner of Abington didn't lose hope to get his name written into history. He constantly came up with new models, improved the existing ones, and introduced his own innovations and technologies for more comfortable wearing. However, all of this went unnoticed until the day when Nathan came up with a brilliant idea. The greatest challenge for shoes is when it snows and it rains and that same needle that makes a hole in the leather that you pass the suture can leak. The biggest challenge is making a waterproof shoe, a waterproof work boot. How did he do it? He's 63 years old, but he comes up with the greatest idea. He realized that the shoe market was lacking footwear that could withstand all weather conditions and at the same time keep its owner's feet warm and dry. That is how, in 1965, the world's first waterproof boots appeared on the market. They were created by direct molding. They fused soles to upper leathers without stitching. Timberlands revolutionized the industry with their unique technology that allowed the sole of the shoe to be joined to its leather upper without the use of threads, resulting in a truly waterproof boot. Ah, that's how he's going to do it. He'll avoid that altogether. The original model had 39 pieces put together in 80 steps. The first shoes were swept off the store shelves, and the word about these indestructible boots spread quickly, generating a demand for them. The product turned out to be so successful that the shoes had to be pre-ordered. Back then, they were only made in black, but their shape stood out from the rest, making them a coveted possession for many people. In the wake of such an overwhelming success, Nathan Schwartz unexpectedly decided to change the name of his company. He names it Timberland. This is how the Timberland trademark appeared, stemming from the words timber and land. The company chose an American oak as its logo, a symbol of solidarity and clanship. 
Nathan approached the matter very wisely. After all, everything from the look of the shoes and their quality of the company's name and logo indicated that this product was family-oriented, and it was very accurately aligned with the values of American society. Soon, the shoes of the craftsmen from Odessa were not only worn by strong, brutal men, but also by women and children. And hip-hop artists like Biggie Smalls. He just said Tim's for my hooligans in Brooklyn. Those are Timberlands he's talking about. Needless to say, Nathan Schwartz changed the world of footwear by understanding that that needle that makes a hole in the leather made it prone to leaking when the water came. He figured out how to get around that by making that precision that there is a seal between the top and the bottom of the boot. Where in sports do you see that precision? This week I watched John Morant, we all did, flying through the air. Dunking used to be just a big man, seven foot under the rim and just dunking. Now dunking is an art form in basketball, flying through the air with precision. But the key is you can't just fly. You got to put that ball through the hoop with precision. It's almost as to my mind, when you fly through the air and miss the dunk, it's like leakage. It's like your socks getting wet in the snow. You got to make it precision. You can't just fly through the air, but the ball's got to go through the hole. Just like that needle and thread has to go through that tissue to make that anastomosis perfect. Well, in basketball, nobody did it better than Julius Irving. And in 1983, it was called the Rock the Baby Dunk. But listen to Julius Irving tell you, it's not just the dunk. All I'm thinking about is getting the ball in the hole. He's thinking of precision. How he gets there is a whole other story, and he changes the world of basketball forever. Then comes Michael Jordan and Kobe Bryant and John Morant. But first it was Julius Irvin revolutionizing the world of basketball, just like Nathan Schwartz created Timberlands. Listen to Julius Irvin. Listen to Chick Hearn talk about Dr. J with Keith Erickson. Worthy against Malone. Pass is deflected. Going to be stolen, I think, by the doctor. Yes, he's done it. He carry counts. Ray rocked the baby to sleep and slammed up. To come from the, the sideline where you rocking the ball one side to the next and you got a defender in front of you. And defender knew when he got in the, when he got in the air that he had no chance. That's one of the greatest dunks of all time. I wasn't really sure what I was going to do, but I was, you know, I was going to make sure the ball got in the hole. So I think I picked my dribble up pretty far out and, you know, just decided to take my step and a half and go airborne. Go airborne, but mostly it's getting the ball into the hoop. Precision. No leakage. He can't miss. He's on the break, so he can't think about what he's going to do. Instincts just take over. It's just you have to have to have that in your game, in your DNA, to come off with a dunk like that. Cooper said I was trying to get out the way. <laughs> he and I haven't had a real good chance to discuss it, but 
I know I caught a few elbows and a couple of knees afterwards, <laughs> just just out of spite. But it, it was it was one of those shots for all time. In 1980, NBA Finals, 76ers are playing the Lakers. Listen to Magic Johnson and Cooper literally telling you they're watching Julius Irving walk on air. But again, he also puts the ball through the hoop. Man, he did a move, which is the all-time greatest move I've seen. Magic and I were sitting there, and we were sitting right on the baseline. And when Dr. J left his feet, he didn't know what he was going to do. When we cut him off baseline, he started walking in there. Got the ball in one hand. And we said, wait a minute, he's got to come down. There's no way he can stay in the air that long. This is World Be Free and Mike Piazza, a kid at the game, watching, threading the needle through the hoop. A shot that they've never seen anything like it before. Not just flying through the air, but the precision of getting the ball through the hoop. Doc just picked the ball up with one hand without even touching it with the other one. And Windmill just hit ball like, like his arms stretched from over here all the way like a rubber band. The crowd went crazy. I can't believe that play. Did he just do that? Really, did he just do that? Julius jumped over his head. Irving, look out. I mean, it was just like this intense release of emotion. It was incredible. It was one of those moments as a kid that's just tattooed in my in my memory. In 1970, he's fresh out of University of Massachusetts. He goes to Rucker Park in New York. He's not a star yet in the NBA or the ABA, but he goes to Rucker Park and he changes the world where the greatest basketball fans of all time in New York at Harlem in Rucker Park witness Julius Irving flying through the air. But again, it's the precision of those dunks. We played him the first game and they kept saying, you wait till Julius gets here. You wait till Julius. And I'm like, who's Julius? I'm in the NBA. What I care about Julius. Tom Hoover had never heard of him. But soon enough, the kid named Julius was doing things that no one at the Rucker would ever forget. At the baseline, he dunks, and the guy takes the ball out to throw it the length of the court for a fast break. He jumps up in the air and catches the ball and throws it down. Charlie Scott shot a long shot, and Julius came, took it out of the air, and dunked it. I took it right there. I said, I don't, I don't need to see anything else. This was it. People here in Harlem, they really know good basketball. And, uh, you know, if you, if you do something real nice, you know, they show their appreciation. He came down one time. I had the angle on him. He dunked the ball so bad, the ball hit me in the top of the head. My teeth fell out on the ground. The crowd roared. I had scrambled to grab him off the ground and put him back in my mouth. That helped build his reputation. When you have that kind of precision in life, whether it's a PhD like my guest Frank Sachaki has, or an MD like Dr. Clapper has, they get to call you a doctor. But you and you've got that precision with a basketball, you also get to be called a doctor. 
listen to how he became Dr. J. There was just one thing left for Julius to earn at the Rucker. They would call him different names, uh, Little Hawk. He went over to the announcer and said, I'm not the Little Hawk. That's Connie Hawk. So then they call him the Claw. Oh, man, the Claw's got the ball going. I was like, I'm thinking, I wonder who he's talking about. He's calling me the Claw. I didn't want to be the Claw. They would call him all sorts of names. Oh, what a rebound by Black Moses. Black Moses, what are you talking about? <laughs> I ain't Black Moses. He said, if you want to call me anything, call me the doctor. So you know, they said, well, the doctor is operating tonight. <laughs> All of a sudden, Dr. J, Dr. J, Dr. J. Who's your favorite basketball player? Dr. J. Why? All his moves he do. That's why. That's uh, even a little kid in Rucker Park knows what he's seeing is precision. And that's what we're going to talk about, creating that precision for surgeons like myself, the work behind the scenes to allow me to do what I do comes from this man, my next guest. I cannot wait to talk to him, Frank Sachaki from Ethicon. You're listening to the one and only Weekend Warriors show here on 710 ESPN. Check out the Weekend Warrior Facebook Know Your Knee Posts. One of the most complicated areas of the body. ACL, PCL, MCL, patella supplication. Really? Dr. Clapper translates the language of your knee on the Weekend Warrior Facebook page. Simply type in Weekend Warrior in the search bar and click on Doc's picture. Wow! Your knee feels better already. Damn right. Like, follow, and feel better Hello there. with the Weekend Warrior Facebook page. What's going on, L.A.? This is Kobe Bryant. All right. Start your weekend off right, listening to the Weekend Warrior Show with Dr. Clapper. I have a Beatles wig on. Every Saturday morning from 7 to 9 a.m. on ESPN, 710, home of your Los Angeles Lakers. Welcome back, Weekend Warriors. We're talking about Timberland, Tim's, and the revolution in shoe wear to make it waterproof. It doesn't leak. And that is the challenge that we as surgeons have to deal with. The very fact that a needle makes a hole and yet it doesn't leak. Who knows this better than my next guest, Frank Sachaki. Frank, thanks so much for getting up early to be with us. Oh, it's my pleasure, Dr. Clapper. Thanks for having me. Do you think it's crazy to think of you as Dr. J and Nathan Schwartz from Timberland? What do you think of this uh, connection? <laughs> uh, it, it, it's, a, it's a little over the top. I, I appreciate it, but maybe step too far. <laughs> Listen, Frank, I want everyone to know how important what you do I may get all the credit being the surgeon, patients thank you, name their kids after you, all kinds of great stuff happen. But I can't do what I do as a surgeon without people like you behind the scenes making the tools that I got to use to make that happen. So on behalf of all the surgeons out there, I want to thank you and thank you for letting us meet you finally of what you do behind the scenes and how important it is. But tell us a little bit about who you are, where'd you grow up, what'd your dad do for a living, and how did you wind up as an engineer for Ethicon making needle tips? Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah. Um, um, When I, I guess, you know, how do you get into engineering? How do you get over to making suture needles? Um, Yeah, when I when I grew up, I grew up in Northwest Indiana, and I actually worked with my father for a while. He worked in the heavy industry in East Chicago. Uh, doing metal fabrication and and you know it's interesting work but um, it's hard work right it's the kind of thing during the summer where you have 100 degree days and mm. you're fully clothed and there's welding sparks going around and <laughs> where I had a number of jobs you know I did concrete construction for a while um, wow. just um, a variety of things until uh, I got my feet under me and uh, you know got into academia and, and had had those type of opportunities come about but I think it was good because it, it kind of lets you know uh, what you might not want to do uh, for the rest of your life. And mm-hmm. I think that um, the parts of those early experiences that I took with me were those parts that were really associated with engineering, you know, the, the incredible design, the things that you would build and make um, really appealed to me. Mm-hmm. Certainly like to make things. And that took me into to engineering. Mm-hmm. And then to get over to Ethicon, I have to say, you know, sometimes uh, life, you know, provides, provides you unexpected chances. Um, really... I was uh, had finished my PhD, had had a number of jobs, had worked at Daimler Benz. I was working in the composite industry at Owens Corning, mm-hmm. and uh, I just had my resume up on a on a local um, uh, trade site, uh, ASM, and a gentleman named John Collier, who's still at Ethicon, found it and called me. And uh, I took that as a good sign because nowadays with recruiting, uh, you know, often people will just pay a recruiter or they'll go to the favorite website and and try to recruit somebody. He actually took the time, wanted somebody that had a background and expertise and interest in the field, and in particular in the field of metallurgy, and reached out. And they asked me to come out to the uh, into the Ethicon and, and meet the people. And I guess the rest is history. It, it seemed really uh, very intriguing at the time. I didn't fully understand what I was getting into, but took took a leap of faith, and I'm glad I did. That's how I ended up at Ethicon, huh. and how I started my journey with needles. So John Collier is the reason you're at Ethicon, and he had the vision to say, this is a guy who can now change the way we think about making needles. That's amazing. He's a visionary, this guy, this John Collier. Well, I, I, think, he had, I think he had high hopes. <laughs> <laughs> How old were you when this all happened? Oh, probably 30 years, 30 years old. Yeah, so wow. So you have a little bit of experience, but not really. That's amazing. Good for him. And how long have you been at Ethicon? I've been there about 20 years now. 20 years. So teach us us a little bit about this amazing paradox that you're asking for in life. You're asking to make a whole, which is really something that weakens a structure, but you need to in order to connect to separate. And I won't say different because when I'm repairing a tendon, for example, the material is actually the same. I'm just bridging them together. So it's not fair to say two different structures. They're actually oftentimes the same structure, but you're bridging it. But you're making a hole, which is the needle itself, and yet filling it with the suture. So teach us a little bit about the point of a needle, sharp versus dull, the angle it makes. I mean, I don't even know what I'm talking about, but I know there's a difference between a tapered needle and a cutting needle. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, the needle point is is uh, very important. And uh, yeah, for your example, um, you know, how do you make a, a hole and have it not do more damage? Uh, don't have a cheese wire or tearing of the tissue. 
Uh, that is very much related to a number of things, as as you pointed out. The needlepoint is is essential, and so we have a, a wide variety of needle designs. Uh, we we offer over three hundred uh, different needle designs, and wow. that's across so many different features, not just the point, but the length, the curvature, the size of the needle. Hmm. But the point really does come into play if you want to uh, do a minimum, uh, the smallest hole possible. We'll use what what's called the taper point. And that point um, uh, will actually um, go through the tissue, and it causes the tissue generally to elastically expand around the needle as the needle goes through, so that when the needle finally does pass, there's often a recoil of the tissue, which can go around the suture and seal it. And that's related to the point. There are other factors that go in there as well. We have coatings that aid in the lubricity that are more gentle on the tissue and cause less tearing when the needle goes through. But that would be an example of a taper point, uh, and, and it's really used in many different uh, applications, um, blood vessel anastomosis, bowel anastomosis, all of these type of essential procedures where you just can't have leakage. Um, surgeons will go towards taper points. And I guess on the other end of the spectrum, you can go in through tissues that are really, really difficult to penetrate. For example, the skin. We don't think their skin is so tough. Uh, because we, when we injure ourselves, it bleeds, and you're surprised. Boy, I'm surprised I cut myself so easily. The skin is an incredibly tough organ, and we'll go to the whole, the entire other end of the spectrum, which are cutting edge needles. And so you can imagine this as multiple sharp edges, razor-like edges that that uh, that taper. There might be three sharp cutting edges that taper to a point, hmm. and what that does is it allows you to get through these very tough tissues without causing causing the skin or the other organ to deflect to an extreme degree makes the job uh, much, much more uh, easy. So You know, the biology, as you're talking, what I'm thinking about is we as human beings are working on something, even if I'm working on another human being as a patient, the patient, a human being, is is made by someone else. A human being didn't make the human being. It's not like I'm working on a car or I'm working on a cabinet or a computer where there's an owner's manual. And so mechanically, if I'm using a metal needle and, and whatever the suture material, whatever the thread is made of, how much do you appreciate the fact that, and I've always thought about this as a surgeon, the very fact that I'm making a hole in the tendon or in the tissue, let's say, it doesn't have to be a tendon, it's alive. I'm not working on a two-by-four. I'm working on something that's alive, and the body has its own glue that it makes, whether it be called a blood clot or fibrin. The very fact that you're traumatizing the tissue by stabbing it with a sharp needle you inspire in the body to make its own healing. You know what I mean? It's not just a nail going into a two-by-four, which is innate. The very fact that I'm making a hole in something that's alive inspires the body to bleed, make platelets, the whole cascade of how clotting occurs. It's living tissue. How much do you as a needle designer think about the fact that it's a living substance that you're put, passing that needle through? Yeah, I mean, we, we, we do try to appreciate the, the fact that, that our products, all of our needles are used in humans and they're used by surgeons that are doing an incredibly important job. 
Um, they're certainly the experts in what they do. And uh, I think what we could say is that we aspire um, to not forget that and to provide um, the best needle that we possibly can, um, not to underestimate uh, the importance. We want to do the minimum amount of tissue uh, damage while enabling the suture to be put in place to help the patient uh, to heal. And uh, we try to remember that everything, everything matters. Uh, we want sharp uh, needles. We want uh, p- low penetration force. We want to minimize a frustration factor that can be associated with long procedures. And that comes down to the surgical instrument, I think, in many cases. Mm-hmm. You know, humans use tools. A surgical instrument, a surgical needle is a tool. And, um, you know, that the better the tool is, we like to believe um, the better uh, the job can be done. You know, in the case of Nathan Schwartz, who invented Timberland, he basically said, oh, to hell with it. You're still going to make a hole, and that could potentially leak. And listen, I want to hear your thoughts. I, um, the eyes don't see what the mind doesn't know, but the ears don't hear what the mind doesn't know. I want to hear what Frank thinks when you hear this soundbite about the Timberland inventor going to injection mold as a way of sealing the top of the boot to the bottom and making it waterproof. Is there something that that you work on now to make that connection of the tissues waterproof? Listen to this soundbite. He realized that the shoe market was lacking footwear that could withstand all weather conditions and at the same time keep its owner's feet warm and dry. That is how, in 1965, the world's first waterproof boots appeared on the market. They were created by direct molding. They fuse soles to upper leathers without stitching. Timberlands revolutionized the industry with their unique technology that allowed the sole of the shoe to be joined to its leather upper without the use of threads, resulting in a truly waterproof boot. So, Frank, do you think you're ultimately going to put your own self out of business by fusing the two ends that you're trying to connect? Is that where the future is going to be on a cellular level? I have no idea what I'm talking about, but it seems like Nathan Swartz did that in making the Timberland boot to get away from the stitching. Is that something you might be doing someday with Ethicon? Yeah, I think that's a great, a great question. Uh, you know, Ethicon's also quite diversified. We're into uh, things like adhesives. We're into topical skin adhesives, you know, um, with uh, various products, Dermabond and Prineo. So um, there are certain cases where adhesives can be used quite effectively to hold tissues together. Um, and in, in particular uh, today, that's skin. Uh, and so, you know, we're already making some inroads there. Regarding sutures, of course, sutures have been around for a long time. Egyptians used, you know, over 2,000 years, the Egyptians, the Romans, so many, hmm. uh, so many uh, societies throughout history have used sutures. And I think that uh, it's always good to look at, at new opportunities, new innovations. We do that with our, uh, with our adhesives uh, and that whole branch. In my mind, and I'm not a surgeon, but when I when I go in the lab and 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 work with the product, the suture is is interesting because you're not only it's it's a tool that helps to approximate the tissue, and then in its final state hold the tissue together. So when there's an open incision and the and there's tension in the incision and the tissues are being pulled apart, you have to also first pull them, as you know, doctor, better than I do, pull them together mm-hmm. and get a good approximation, and mm-hmm. that. That, that suture or 
Sometimes now we're using more and more barb sutures like Stratifix mm-hmm. um, really kind of helps to do two things. It's more than just holding the tissue together. It's a tool, it's an interoperative tool to bring those tissue layers together. And that's that's a little bit of a challenge with something like an adhesive or sealing or, you know, mm-hmm. if we were really went out there and said we're going to laser tack weld tissue together, you still need that first step of pulling the tissue into close approximation. And there's something about about a suture, about a string that humans uh, work really, really well with. You know, the uh, humans can work at, do amazing things with their hands. And when you put a suture in a suture uh, needle in a talented surgeon's hands, uh, they can do amazing things. And part of it, I think, is that first step of getting really good approximation in a, in a, you know, in a short amount of time. So Frank, um, I have a couple of minutes left. I have one last question for you. That's fascinating. The metal alloys that you use, tell us a little bit about what you're up to in terms of the types of metal and why that makes a difference. Yeah. So, I mean, this is an area that that I was passionate about. So I did a a background in in material science and, and uh, metallurgy. And um, when I, joined Ethicon, um, it's almost that the folks were a little bit too too humble about what was done before me. And um, I found in the course of trying to produce stronger and stronger suture needles that uh, Ethicon produces probably the strongest, toughest stainless steel known to man, which is mm. quite, a, quite a strong statement. I'm always looking for people to challenge that mm. and to say, no, there's something stronger and tougher because we are trying to obsolete it. And what's the reason for that? The reason for that is really based on need. And um, in particular, uh, for example, in the cardiovascular space where you have a needle the size of your eyelash or smaller, Mm. and you're trying to do a blood vessel anastomosis, for (laughs) example, on a coronary artery bypass graft, and it's got to be watertight. The patient's going to bleed That's out right. if it's not. That's right. And uh, they got to do a whole bunch of them, and they don't want the patient on the pump for a long time. So that needle's just got to work, and it's tiny. And it's going through calcified tissue. The point can be damaged. It can bend. We always need higher strength. Mm. And so Ethaloy is our trademark alloy, and it's it's the strongest stainless steel known to man. If uh, any of your listeners uh, have an ideas on how to make it stronger, we we're, we're, have open ears. We actually went one step further than that. We tried to, um, after doing a lot of experimentations, making various melts, trying to improve, we had a, a, a breakthrough with a product called Everpoint and had to switch away from steels. We had to switch away from ferrous metallurgy and build that on a tungsten needle platform. So mm-hmm. it's the first tungsten needle available. And that's used in heart bypass surgery, and it's, it's, it's about 40% stronger than the strongest stainless steel that we have today. And it's just, it's just a desperate need. And if we could, if we can make it even stronger, it would make the, the surgeon's job in this, in this case, the heart surgeon's job even easier. And, and we would do it. Um, so we're, we're always on the lookout there, but it's an interesting history. I think Ethicon, you know, this medical device company in surgical care, which you wouldn't think would be kind of at the top of the world, you know, in mm-hmm. terms of, uh, uh, offering the strongest uh, stainless steels known to man. We obsoleted a lot of, of really good steels, such as 455 grade used by the military, um, mm. because it just wasn't strong enough and had to develop our own. So, And a lot of that work got the ethyloy. You know, I'm standing on the shoulders of giants here. Uh, people before me had done that. Um, tungsten rhenium is the latest thing, and it was a you know great, great team effort at Ethicon that brought that forth. Is John Collier still alive? 
He's still there. Actually, you know, you 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 spoke with somebody that uh, is very close to John. That was Howard Scalzo from Ethicon. All right. Uh, about you about tell them. You tell them at Ethicon, Frank. I need to talk to John Collier because for him to realize that you've got the wherewithal to be able to design things to make literally the world a better place for all of us, and especially someone like me, a surgeon, working behind the scenes, no one's ever going to know your names. But I'm so happy and proud to be able to showcase you guys because it really is wonderful what you do to, to make the world a better place. God bless you for, uh, for doing what you do, Frank. And thanks so much for joining us. I'm so glad everybody's getting to know someone like you is uh, thinking about things that nobody else is thinking about. But, boy, do we need you. Thanks so much, Frank, for getting up early to be with us. Thank you, doctors. My pleasure. Thanks for the for the recognition uh, that you that you threw our way there as well. Uh, and uh, you know, it's my, my pleasure. Way as well as all my Give my best to everybody over there. Thank you so much, Frank. Appreciate it. All right, warriors. The lines are all lit up. The clinic will be open. What a joy to talk to someone who thinks twenty four seven about what kind of tip that suture has to pass, so that I can operate on you and make it so that it's watertight. It's awesome. Just awesome to cross-fertilize the different worlds that we live in, whether it's surgery, whether it's art, or whether it's sports. It's all the same. We'll get into it, and i got to tell you where sutures play a big role in the greatest roasted chicken that I've ever had in Los Angeles and why the sutures made a difference. You're listening to the one and only Weekend Warriors show here on 710 ESPN. The number is 877-710-ESPN. Miss an interview or Doc's weekly story? Check it out on the Weekend Warrior Facebook page. Also, Doc's advice to callers on their aches and pains. Just type Weekend Warrior in the Facebook search bar and you'll see Doc's picture in the listings. And thanks for checking out the Weekend Warrior Facebook page. What's going on? It's Max. You know there's no better way to start your Saturday morning than with my friend Dr. Clapper and the Weekend Warrior Show. What's going on, L.A.? This is Kobe Bryant. Can you tell me the price of this bed? $8,000. Why, that's preposterous. I can get the same bed anywhere in town for $25. Start your weekend off right, listening to the Weekend Warrior Show with Dr. Clapper. Yes, but not with me in it. Every Saturday morning from 7 to 9 a.m. on ESPN, 710, home of your Los Angeles Lakers. Welcome back, Weekend Warriors. Who's that, Zach? Griffin. Never heard of him. Tie me down. Well, I don't know what kind of sutures they're using to tie her down. I think I'm going to leave it right there. <laughs> All right, let's do a short segment. Uh, boy, I could talk for hours, can't I? I have the gift of the gab, but I love it. So fascinating to me, connecting those worlds. Let's go to Luke in Northridge. You're on with Dr. Clapper. How can I help Luke? Hey, Dr. Clapper, how are you doing? I love your show. Thank you, and I'm sorry uh, to make you wait so long. You've been hanging on the line forever. I'm just, uh, I apologize, sir. And no, no, no need necessary. I'd be listening to your show anyway. All right, I thank you. you. I've been listening to you, Doc, for the last 10 years. I know you've been on the air about 10 and a half. And I just love your storytelling. 
Thank you. And uh, Thank you. everything that you bring out to the people in the community. Thank you, Luke. Thanks for saying that. That's the, just hearing you say that is the reason I got four hours of sleep last night and I couldn't wait to come and do the show with Zach. So... Thank you for reminding me why I'm doing it. I look forward to you every Saturday, Doc. And like I said, I love your stories. I love your story of the needles. I always thought they had two kinds of needles, big ones and small ones. (laughs) Exactly. Biggie Biggie Smalls, I love the story about Biggie Smalls also. Yeah. And and the the, 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 uh, Timberland Boots, I don't know why they make make them yellow now. Well, you know, I'm not I'm not going to really talk about it, but you can you can connect the dots. But the bottom line is Jay Z, Fifty Cent, uh, Biggie Smalls, Nas. Uh, there's a reason why you love wearing boots that are waterproof all through the night, where it's raining and cold. What are you doing all through the night, needing waterproof boots? And I'll just leave it at that. But that's ultimately why they fell in love with Timberland and they're yellow for lumberjacks. What does that have to do with a guy in Brooklyn? But how amazing it is that Nathan's a Jewish immigrant with nothing out of, you know, he's got nothing, eating stale bread, ends up coming up connecting the hip-hop community. It's just an amazing story. Maybe not the hook. Yeah. <laughs> I'm a quickie on the pronunciation. It's not Nas. It's pronounced Nas. And it comes from a king named King Nazir. Ah. Thank you. All right, listen. How young are you? What do you do for a living? And how can I help you? I'm 61 years young. Um, I, I, I'm a retail sales manager for a big uh, grocery chain out here in Southern California. Okay. And what's up? How did you hurt yourself? What can I do to help you, young man? Well, uh, last couple of months, Doc, my hip, my right hip has been giving me problems. I just, I, originally, I just thought it was like my leg, mm-hmm. but I realized now that it's my hip, and I thought this pain would go away. Is there any kind of therapy I could do? Oh, by the way, I bought your book, Heal Your Knees. I love it. Okay. So listen, uh, you win the prize to, for today. You get to call my office, and I am swamped. You can only imagine. Well, you you right. tell Arnie this week probably it won't be for a few weeks, but it'll be if you want. Do not let anybody talk you into a cortisone shot or any needles inside your hip. Certainly, walking in the pool okay. is great, but it'll be my honor and pleasure, Luke, to meet you one day if you want, and I will guide you in terms of what to do. You call my office and tell him you won the prize. Tell Arnie I said it's okay, and he'll give you an early time. You don't have to wait four months, okay? Oh, I love it, Doc. I appreciate you. I, I, I love you. I look forward to shaking your hand one day and looking you in the eye and meeting you in person. And thanks so much for the kind uh, words, Luke. You made my day. Have a great weekend. All right. God bless you. And listen, Luke, you're going to be someone, a total stranger I'm going to help. I need you to find a total stranger today. Do something nice for them. That's how you'll be thanking me. Will do, Doc. All right. God bless you. All right, Warriors, we'll take a break. Coming up, last segment. I can't believe it. I got to tell you where that chicken is that you got to use some suture material, but they do it. And that white garlic sauce that you dip that chicken in with the crispy skin of the chicken. Oh, my God. It's the greatest roasted chicken you'll ever get in L.A. because of sutures. And I also want to tell you what we're going to be doing next week. I cannot wait. It comes all the way from Hawaii. A new type of exercise. Well, I'll explain. Coming up next on the Weekend Warriors Show here on 710 ESPN. Don't hide your Holy emoji, Clapman. 
Weekend Warriors on Facebook. Holy slip disc! That's right, Robin. Hear listeners talk about their aches and pains. Holy hamstrings. Along with Doc's clapper vision. Breathe deeply. And advice to callers. On your toes, Robin. So like, follow, and enjoy. A wise decision. The Weekend Warrior Facebook page. Frankly, I can think of nothing more stimulating. Hey, it's Mace. You know, there is no better way to start your Saturday than with Dr. Clapper and the Weekend Warrior Show, 7 to 9 a.m. Saturday mornings. And don't miss Mason in Ireland back Monday at 1 on 710 ESPN. What's going on, L.A.? This is Kobe Bryant. The secret sauce. Start your weekend off right. Listening to the Weekend Warrior Show with Dr. Clapper. I will jump through the radio to come into your house and help you right now. Every Saturday morning from 7 to 9 a.m. on ESPN, 710, home of your Los Angeles. Just like Who's this Zach? Welcome back, Weekend Warriors. The zombies. God, are they terrific. Their YouTube videos, they're all black and white. They didn't have color TV when they were making this music. That's awesome. All right, got so much to talk about. We only have one segment left. Let's go to quickly to Victoria and Monrovia. You've been waiting forever. Sorry to keep you waiting so long. Hi, Dr. Clapper. Thank you for taking my call. My pleasure, young lady. How young are you? What do you do for a living? Uh, I'm 54. Um, I'm a health educator, and uh, I injured my right wrist when someone fell on me, um, and it hyperextended my wrist. Um, so my right, I'm right-handed, and mm. so my right wrist. Um, they diagnosed me after X-rays and an MRI with uh, five, uh, a triangular fibrocartilage yes. complex partial. So, so then that's the pinky side of your wrist, correct? Correct. That's the yes. ulnar side. That bone. So yeah, let me, t- you uh, you listen to the show, you know what Clapper Vision is? Yes, I've, I've listened to it before, yes. All right, let me explain what a triangular fibrocartilage and who you're going to go to, okay? Do not let them shoot you up with cortisone or st- stem cells and no needles going into your wrist, please. Be holistic, okay? Okay, but um, yeah, you know what? This happened about two years ago, August of 2019. Mm-hmm. And so since then, they just injected me once. I refused the second shot. Good. Um, it, it did help with you know with the, with the symptoms, but then the pain. It, right now, I'm in pain. Listen, Victoria, if you take Robitussin, you stop coughing, right? You feel better because you stop coughing. But if you're coughing because you have pneumonia, you need it's going to yeah. come back again. You can't just keep taking Robitussin to stop coughing. You're coughing because you've got an infection in your lungs, and you need antibiotics to stop coughing, not Robitussin. Capiche? Got it, yeah. So you can take cortisone and make it numb. You feel better, but guess what? If the problem is you have a torn triangular fiber cartilage in your wrist, you're going to keep having pain until you take care of the torn triangular fiber cartilage. And what is the, they call it the TFCC, the triangular fiber cartilage complex. And in our bodies, we have multiple areas where we have a rubber cushion a fibrocartilage, kind of like your ear is fibrocartilage. So if you can feel your ear, that same material is in your knee, 
It's called the meniscus. It's in your hip. It's called the labrum. It's in your shoulder. It's called the labrum. There's a meniscus between the tip of your clavicle and your acromion. And there is another location for a meniscus in our body. Guess where it is? It's in your wrist. And it's where the ulna, the bone, that is the tip of your elbow, the olecranon, comes down. And that's the bone that connects the tip of your elbow to your little finger side of the wrist. The other bone is the radius. That goes to the thumb. But the ulna, the little finger side, where it meets meets the eight bones that make up your wrist, there is a meniscus there called the triangular fibrocartilage complex. And guess what? When you fell... You tore that structure. And just like a torn meniscus, it's not behaving properly. You get swelling and you get pain. And there is a very teeny tiny arthroscope that we can use when someone who knows what they're doing uh, is using it. You can look inside your wrist joint, that teeny tiny joint, see the torn triangular fiber cartilage, literally take pictures of it to show you, and then stick a tiny little vacuum cleaner in there and clean away the debris, and oh, it's a machaya. That's a Yiddish term for it's a pleasure to get rid of that pain, and it won't come back again. So, you ready? You want the name of someone who I trust to do my own wrist if I needed it, if I tore my own triangular fibrocartilage complex, the TFCC? You ready? Yes. His name is David Kolber, K-U-L-B-E-R. He's at Cedars. He's a hand surgeon, and he I've watched in the operating room many times. Uh, doing wrist surgery to clean up someone's TFCC, and you would be in good hands uh, if you went to him. No more shots, no more pills, no more therapy. Two years of having pain ain't going to get better until you take care of it. And this is the wonderful life of a surgeon. Not, hi, how are you? I hurt my wrist a week ago. Let's go do surgery. No. Give it time to heal. Go to therapy. Wear a splint. All the things you need to do. But Two years? Come on. It's not going to get better unless now you have the elegant artistry, sculptural hands of a surgeon who knows what they're doing to use the right tools and elegantly be able to fix it. It's one of the most rewarding things you can do with your life, in my opinion, is to be able to fix something in someone like you, a nice, sweet person like you, to be able to get rid of their hand pain, that they wrist pain they've had for two years. So, David Colbert, Cedars, he will be able to help you. All right, Victoria? And then, uh, last, yes, last thing. Thank you, Dr. Clapper. K-U-L-B-E-R. Yes. David, Dr. David. And when you call him, you tell him you're a weekend warrior, and he'll get a big smile on his face. <laughs> thank you, Dr. Clapper. I appreciate it. Can you, just, can you just repeat that little procedure that you just mentioned? Arthroscopy. It's called an arthroscopy. Just tell him you need to have it. Sco- he'll tell you what to do. You go see him. I don't even want to... You know, give any more information. Let him tell you what to do. Let him examine you. Look at the MRI, and then he'll tell you what's in store. But no more shots, please. Be holistic. Listen, you're a total stranger to me. Look at what I've just done for you. I want you to find a total stranger today. Do something nice for them. That's how you'll be thanking me, okay? I will do. Will do. Take care. Thank you, Dr. Uh, God bless. God bless you, too. All right, Warriors. Let's talk about chicken. I don't know if you've ever experienced this place, but it's been in L.A. for a while. One day, Zach, we got to get the, the owner of this place on this, the show. The hell yeah. them. Because this chicken is special. It's crispy. Listen, Julia Child, I'm reading her biography right now called Deary, one of the greatest books I've ever read. 
And with all the recipes, mastering the art of French cooking and that she changed the world, Julia Child, she still thinks making a roasted chicken is the greatest thing you can do with your life as a cook. The crispiness of the skin, the juiciness of the meat, and then they have this white garlic dipping sauce. But the secret is the fact that they tie up the chicken so that it roasts evenly. You need suture material that won't, won't burn up in the oven but allows the legs and the wings to be close to the bird so it cooks properly. Oh, my mouth is watering already. Where is this place? And they have a few locations. It begins with the letter Z. Zanku Chicken. Z-A-N-K-U. And make sure you get that white garlic sauce that they give you in these little tubs and dip that chicken with the skin into that. It is a life-changing experience. You can get whatever side dishes you want. I could care less about the side dishes. The chicken is unbelievable. Mm, is that good? By the way, you love storytelling. That's why you love this show. In Ojai right now is the Ojai Storytelling Festival. So see if you want to make a drive to one of the most beautiful places in California is Ojai, O-J-A-I. Go visit the Ojai Storytelling Festival and tell them Dr. Clapper sent you. And I want to give a shout out. I got a phone call while I was in Hawaii from the great Beto Duran. So many people I've met in these 10 and a half years in the sports business, uh, Mark Willard and Beto Duran, it's just so many of them. And out of the blue, Beto Duran called me because he's a big deal, like Max Kellerman in the world of fighting. And one of the fighters, speaking of wrist injuries, had a wrist injury. And he said, hey, they, talked to, they took that fighter to Cedar sinai Dr. Clapper, and I thought of you. And Beto Duran gave me a call. He is really something. I'm so proud of all that he's done and accomplished uh, beyond just being on the radio. He's really a fighting expert, and it's really uh, an honor to call him a friend. And I know he listens because he drives his kids to soccer. So here's a shout-out to the great Beto Duran. Next week, we're going to talk about something from Hawaii, from the island of Hawaii, Kona, actually. And we're going to have a guest who's an expert in a way to exercise with Hawaiian clubs they look like bowling pins well i'll explain but it made me think all week what does this have to do with ella fitzgerald and pete maravich next week you'll figure out how i put it all together until then i leave you with volari means i'm singing and i'm flying it's just so beautiful until next week i'll see you on the radio Get smart. Just what are you getting at? Check out the Weekend Warrior Facebook page. Like this. Medical advice from Cedar Sinai, head of orthopedic surgery. Are you kidding? With a far rockaway attitude and a little drizzle of mozzarella. Well, it's important to me. Search Weekend Warrior in the space bar. Like this. And click on Doc's picture. I see. Like, follow, and enjoy the Weekend Warrior Facebook page.